egotistical, so unpredictable Here on the SNL Network Yes, welcome on in everybody to the Saturday Night Network here for another Monday Night Roundtable, this time to talk about the Jenna Ortega and the 1975 episode of Saturday Night Live. My name is John from the SNN. Very pumped to be with all of you on this Monday night and our incredible panel that we brought together to discuss the end of this run of shows before we head towards the final six episodes of Saturday Night Live. I was doing my notes today. I feel like there's just so much to talk about. I couldn't wait to you know, get to this show to finally break down some of the things that we didn't get to talk about in our hot take show on Saturday. So let's get right to that with our panel we have here tonight. And first up, it is the amazing Victoria Franzo. Victoria, how are you? Uh, I'm great. I'm really excited to be uh, taking a break from American Idol audition watches and to discuss, you know, Saturday Night Live. And uh, I'm Jenna Ortega is just Jenny Ortega is a wonderful actress. So excited that she was able to host. Yeah, how is that going over on American Idol? Season 21, is it? You're still watching? Yes. Yeah. I'm Have you ever missed all... a season? Have I ever? I've missed uh, 20 seasons. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I missed about, just about 20 seasons. Um, cried a lot at the auditions. They, you know, I needed a good cry, hence why I started watching the auditions. But it's so far so good. Great pool of talent there. So good to know. Be a great season 21. <laughs> All right, well, we'll check back in on American Idol down the road. But uh, a guy who uh, may not know much about American Idol, but knows everything there is to know about Saturday Night Live. It is Bill Kenny. Bill, how are you? <laughs> hey, listen, I know Ruben stuttered, okay? like yeah. that, That's the last time I watched that show. I'm doing great. Uh, taking a break from building all my brackets for the uh, tournament coming up. So uh, it's, it's kind of a nice uh, relief to sit here and talk about Jenna Ortega. Really, really fun episode to run this uh, end this run. So... Uh, very excited to get into it. Absolutely. It is bracket season. So if you haven't started making your March Madness brackets, think about what you're going to do. I'm still waiting to put my picks in as well, Bill. So that's very fun. And we're going to do a bracket of our own in just a couple of weeks on the Superfan Takeover. Right. So stay tuned for that. But of course, joining us tonight as well, last but not least, never least, it is TJ Randolph. TJ, how are you doing? Well, John, even though I'm in the back, the equivalent of the back of the bus of this podcast lineup, I am doing well. I feel good. Um, I feel like I haven't podcasted on the SNL network. I mean, the uh, the Saturday Night Network in a minute. No, it feels very good to be to be black. I mean, to be back. I mean, it definitely is. I always never know how to respond, but it. Jonathan, is there something funny that you're chortling about? Right, is there let me, something let me, humorous? Let, let me open up the curtain. I love curtain. TJ so much. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> let me open up the curtain before the show. People come in, they get their spots on the quadrants of the screen, and then we go over which sketches, you know, we might want to talk about tonight, you know, sort of do a little bit of prep. And TJ always chooses a sketch that happens <laughs> later on in the night, which is why he ends up in that spot. So don't, I have blame, been... don't blame the white guy in the top left <laughs> corner every time. <laughs> to be fair, John, you're white and Canadian. So like you two things, give yourself more credit. And Second Jewish, of all, yeah. I have been doing this. Oh, yeah, Andrew, that's right. Okay, so three stage of white. Um, like I have been doing this podcast for two years. And this is the first time I've ever heard of that lineup rule. Granted, John, I just want you to lift black voices. And by that, I mean, put me over, Victoria. No, I'm kidding. Um, but like... Uh, <laughs> 
I don't know. That is going to be like putting down women's voices. It's I know. Thing. And I'm like, yeah, oh, wait, you yeah. want there to be equity? Like, I, I work in diversity. I shouldn't say these kinds of things. I'm also um, a, a daughter of immigrant parents from the Middle East. Don't. You know? There, what, there you what, what, what's, your, what's your melanin, Victoria? What is it? <laughs> it's Iraqi melanin. <laughs> I, wait, Iraqi? Yeah. yeah. Really? Oh, shit. Okay. I, I mean, um, oh, snap. Uh, <laughs> I uh, forgot uh, we were uh, recording. A hundo P. A hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Okay, that's cool. All right, John. Look at John. I know. Goodness gracious! Look at him I'm, being a little Lauren Michaels. If we oh, want to take you. it a step further, I'm mm-hmm. an Assyrian. It's one word, not a Syrian. It's Assyrian, and we are indigenous. Wait, is it like a pimp named Slipback? I'm sorry. I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm Bill. Well, I'm so sorry. This would be the earliest <laughs> yeah. that John has ever lost control of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in the book. I'm offended by because I when... derail this show every time I come on here. <laughs> That's true. How dare you, Bill Kenny? <laughs> All right, this is the problem when I let the uh, get to know you section go on a little bit too long. So let's <laughs> let's pivot, um, as Ross Geller would say, and go to talk about Jenna Ortega, where we're going to talk about the decision to book Jenna Ortega, who is, as we learned, 20 years old, our youngest host of the season, and lots of talk about will this be uh TikTok-y, Gen Z vibes, a lot of questions about this one. We have a lot of uh, potential new uh, viewership that may have checked out this episode. Jenna has, I think, over 40 million Instagram followers, the largest of any host this season. So there had to be definitely more eyeballs wanting to check out what Jenna was doing tonight. And so the decision to me is a no-brainer, especially with the background of the fact that Jenna is in one of the biggest movies so far of 2023 with Scream 6 coming out this past weekend and uh, a lot of hype for that uh, movie if you're a fan of the horror franchise and then also Wednesday the show on Netflix that was a huge hit over the holidays um you know all about the Adams family and and in terms specifically Wednesday Adams so that as well and of course you I mean there's Jenna's been in a ton of stuff starting with that commercial we saw in the monologue so uh very happy to get to talk about Jenna Ortega tonight and the decision to book her so Victoria I will start with you what were your thoughts when you found out Jenna Ortega was going to be hosting Saturday Night Live uh, I didn't have much expectation just because I really didn't know who she was. I knew she starred in Wednesday Adams, but that was the extent of my knowledge on her. That being said, that's sometimes really great because you go in with no expectations and you get pleasantly surprised like I was with this episode. She's so mature for her age. Like her monologue was was beautiful like she looked beautiful she speaks articulately um and she was just very fun throughout the whole the whole show so um she's mature than i am and i'm just about a decade older than her so that's it was humbling to watch her <laughs> bill i mean the age discrepancy between you and jenna is certainly there but i would love to know how you felt about her being booked for the show it's been a minute since John got an old joke in on me. I, yeah, I was I was Bill expecting it this week. Doing with, my man right. Bill dirty. Come on, that's now. right, man. Uh, listen, I am younger than Fred Armisen, so let's let's start there. Wait, uh, really? I could definitely be the oh, double. Oh, now TJ, track. who's the one who's giving him? <laughs> <laughs> wow, Bill. Wow, dude. Bill, I want you to remember that I just chimed in and said you're 21. So thank you, Victoria. I appreciate that. I, I did. That was definitely me. That was definitely an old crack for me. Like I'm keeping young it at heart. <laughs> oh, TJ was the one on the last time we were together that he called me the father and a father son uh, thing with Haskell. So <laughs> he's already gotten me with this. So. If you're somebody who watches the YouTube feed, go. I don't even know what episode we were covering, but it was you. Haskell and me and I was like I feel like I'm watching a father-son podcasting duo and it was, <laughs> I didn't even know what coverage that was 
<laughs> I don't remember, but yeah, that oh I mean, l- listen, I, I I can relate to the. I mean, you have to bring in these Gen Z hosts to to reach out to these younger viewers who are not getting it the way we get the show, um, going on YouTube the next day, that kind of stuff. Um, I'm glad it was a lot better than some of the other Gen Z stuff they've done in the last couple of years, Gen Z Hospital. Um, and, and I think that they found a nice medium between not making it too much about her age other than the parent trap and, uh, you know, finding a good way to. And I, I found her very likable. Uh, it felt like a Michael B. Jordan thing where they were kind of putting her in the background a little bit more than in the forefront. Um, but it still worked. And, and she was very uh, good in all the things that she was in. So. I want to come back to something interesting you said, but first I want to ask TJ his initial thoughts on Jenna Ortega being booked to host the show. So TJ, how did you feel? I thought this young woman was like going to start doing magic when she came out to do her monologue because she was dressed like a little magician. Um, like she kind of looked like, uh, if anybody reads or like watches DC stuff, she looked like Satana. Uh, it was like a magician, like superhero. Um, so that's what I thought at first, but like, no, like I, I'm not really into the Wednesday Adams thing. That's not really not my kind of like thing. But you know what I am into? I'm into you. You are, dear listeners. And the show, you. Because thankfully, that little girl got away safe. I mean, granted, Joe doesn't kill kids. We know that Joe is a creep and a murderer, but he doesn't kill kids. So that makes him redeemable. I love our country. Um, But like, that's what I remember from it. I remember really, really liking her. And I didn't even make the connection until a few months ago that that was the same actress. And I'm like, oh, she's great. Like, like, I I really like this actress. and so. You know, kind of having the whole youthful connection, it was interesting. I I don't like, I don't, I hope this isn't weird the way I'm saying this, but did anyone else notice how small she was? I don't usually notice like height when um, watching TV too much, but like it was very apparent that she was much shorter than the other cast members. Um, and I just, I don't know, that was something that like, I don't know, it just I was like, oh. It's funny you say that because in the one sketch with Marcello and uh Mikey Longs, it was clear how short Marcello was. Yeah. And then in the Waffle House sketch, he was the same height as Jenna. So yeah, I did I did have that kind of train of thought. Yeah, it, but I'll be honest, like with the exception of a couple of performances, I'm surprised that somebody as big of a again, like I think of I don't know, this is more of a two thousands term, I guess, but she feels very it girl. You know, like big actress, like starring in huge roles, very likable. Um, there's even like memes and stuff about her. Like, I don't know if anyone sees those uh, TikTok gaming presidents things. There's like they loop her into it. But like people really seem to like this actress and really seem to like the things that she does. So uh, to be honest, I was I was of the run of those three shows, the Woody, the um, who was it last week? Uh, Travis Kelsey. They, uh, ugh. Um, like the Travis Kelsey and uh, and Jenna, I was like, all right, this is the one that has like the most likelihood to like give me something that I'm gonna enjoy. Um, and so, like when when I was I was coming into it, like if I was looking into the batch of those three, I was coming into it the most optimistic. But in terms of the full season, I was like, I don't know, like is Joe Goldberg gonna be here? Like, can they both host together? I don't know. Um, so okay. I was I was kind of just cool on it, but I was like, I had good expectations because a young host mean stuff i probably sketches i'll probably get a little bit more even though i am so close to 30 that it's scary i want to talk about the uh, that's funny i want to talk about <laughs> about something that bill said in, 
yeah, it, it triggered it triggered this uh, this discussion that we don't usually get to have here on the podcast, which is about younger people hosting SNL and like what the right age for something is like that. Obviously, we've seen a lot of uh, age diversity this season, and I think that um, that's probably a good thing to have different types of hosts come in. But there have been some very young hosts in the history of SNL going to back to Drew Barrymore hosting at like seven years old, Macaulay Culkin, Fred Savage, um, you know, and then there's been a lot of eighteen year olds, the Olsen twins, Lindsay Lohan. Like, there's been a ton of uh, people who have hosted at a young age. And Bill, I'm curious from you, do you think there is an age that's too young to host SNL? Because I've often argued that I feel like probably like 20 or 21 is the cutoff point that I would like to see from an SNL host. So Jenna probably is like at that that stage. But um, how do you feel about it? I don't know if we ever talked about it. Uh, I think I think it's probably right around that point. Uh, the Lindsay Lohan line, maybe where anything younger than that, um, you know, you go back and look at the Macaulay episode, the Drew Barrymore episode. They're not doing a lot other than being cute on screen. Uh, they're not acting, you know, they're reading from the cute cards constantly. So there's not a lot to get there other than you're getting somebody from Home Alone or E.T., that kind of thing. Um, so I think probably adults, it has to be 18 or above, I think, to work. Victoria, do you agree? Yeah, I would say just the audience and the demographics watching this are of a more mature audience, probably late teens and, and up. I think it, not that it's, it wouldn't work. It just kind of limits how much you can do with, with a child. Uh, and especially if you're taking in current events and things that may have, have a more mature, uh, mature content. So I agree. I think she was just at, I think she's at that sweet spot of, able to to work with her and understand and and you know play along well with the the rest of the cast you know an interesting aspect of this is like you know snl often tackles humor that could be especially this season is like pretty sexual in nature um and the question is is like when you bring in a host like you sort of have to be okay that they're willing to like tackle those types of subjects or if you're going to bring in a host that's of a younger age obviously you're not going to go in that direction but it's interesting in the past where they've had i would say like the age group of Jenna Ortega is like probably like 17 to 21 where you're talking about like, you know, teen stars and a good comparison to what we saw here was perhaps Lindsay Lohan or the Olsen twins who both hosted. I think they all hosted actually at 17 and their episodes were like some of these sketches, especially Lindsay's was were extremely sexualized, which wouldn't go down nowadays. So it's interesting, you know, how they're going to you know, what Jenna Ortega would have been okay with and how they would handle, you know, certain type of humor in different sketches. And what we got was an episode that sort of diverted from a lot of the humor that I think they've been going down, especially, you know, in the Travis episode, and the Woody episode, like a lot of like, you know, interesting sexual experience sketches. And I don't think besides the uh, Waffle House one, we got a sketch that had to do really with like love or, you know, romance at all. So I thought, you know, it's an interesting thing to think about how the writers may approach an episode with a younger host. TJ, would love to get your opinion on all this. Well, um, to, to respond to that question first, and then to go to the, um, I can't remember what we were talking about before that, because that was such a compelling well, point. Well, the right age is to, to uh... yes, before I get to the writing, with the question that you just asked, I think is so interesting, because um, don't we know that the, um, the 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 writers write what is it like 70 70 something sketches bring it on tuesday night to the host and they're like hey what do you want to do so we i think we're forgetting that element of choice that jenna herself has jenna is i want to say this in the most like like clinical objective way jenna is an attractive actress and a good-looking person and she's probably sexualized a lot because 
of like, like, like I don't know, grown adults probably, I don't, uh, you'd actually you never you never know what grown adults are doing but like she's also appealing to like younger like a younger audience that are also going to be looking at her as attractive she might be getting that type of energy not you know 2000s paris hilton energy but like still a lot of like whatever i don't know there's that like gymnast on tiktok that people like are obsessed with just like a lot of like obsessive like fan industry because she's also an attractive person so maybe for her kind of like in how selena is reclaiming her own narrative right now she probably picked some stuff that like just genuinely interested her instead of steered into this idea that might be being created for her and i think by her doing like more scary aubrey plaza type roles she is kind of curving that whole like it girl like persona because it's not really what it girl was in the 2000s like a Lindsay lohan um but i think that's such an interesting question because maybe we just saw like maybe for some reason she really liked the idea of an x-men sketch and that's what she picked like i like that and i want to do that sketch so i think we got to remember that she herself she's the host she chose some of these things that she wanted to do even though these insane writers did write it for her there could have been something like a gross sexual sketch in that we don't know about and Referring to the question about age, uh, listen to me. It's a quote Andy Samberg in, uh, in Threw It on the Ground. I'm an adult, okay? I don't want to deal with kids. I mean, I like babies for like 20 minutes and then get them away from me. Like, I have uncle energy. Kids are temporary to me. Um, like, I, <laughs> like, I don't want to deal with no children, nothing like that. But you know what's also temporary? A TV episode. So I will say this. I am okay. Whatever age... Um, the, I know they're they're actually my age now, which is funny. Whatever age the little girls from iCarly were, when they started iCarly, Jeanette McCurdy and Miranda Coggles, so they're probably what, like 12, 13, 14, whatever age they were, when they were able to do, you know, good acting or whatever, if you want to call it good acting. I loved iCarly back when I was a kid, whatever. Um, but whatever age they were to able to like cohesively adhere to a script and act and perform. That is that is cool with me because like you may not be able to be like gross, but SNL has nine hundred something episodes. It's okay if like they have like different genres for the episodes. So if there's one that's more family friendly, it'll just give it a different lens. It'll be kind of interesting, you know. Like I think that if if you can still write fun and good sketches, you can always save it for the other week. Like most people aren't fired, fired until the end of the season, man. So as long as you're writing that sketch and saving it for at least the next week, why not give it a try? Well, I just thought it was interesting because after my second watch of this episode, my takeaway from this was this episode felt, you know, besides the fact that I think the cast was really excelling, I really felt like the uh, part of the reason for that was that the themes of the sketches were so different than some of the weeks we've seen previously. They just, you know, it, it, some of the general topics we were seeing between some of the sketches covered in 2023 were fairly similar in nature. But this time, perhaps Jenna, not by necessarily her age, because we've seen SNL go down this direction before with a younger host, but by her willingness to stand up and perhaps pick sketches that she felt were more in her nature, forced SNL to then put together an episode that dealt with subject matter we don't normally get to see, including, you know, stuff like uh, the mutant stuff, um, Parent Trap, like a remake of an old movie, which was kind of fun, like an exorcism sketch, which I guess goes back to the original days of the show where they covered a horror movie. Lorraine Newman did that in the Richard Pryor episode. So it was just fun to stretch that way. Uh, Victoria, you want to jump in on this topic? Yeah, I, I think TJ makes a great point about, I think also, so there have been times, some of you know, some of you don't know who are watching, I also perform comedy. And there is a comedy institution in Chicago, where when you audition, you have to do clean content. It has to be 100% clean. And it's a test on 
how you as a performer, as a writer, can can you be funny without having to lean on something sexual or gross or something that, you know, can you appeal to everybody, essentially, at, at, at some point, not all the time, at this or at the same time, rather, but can you do that? And I think it's a good test for the performers, for the writers to see, you know, can you can you flex? Can you do something a little bit different? And I think also, was it TJ to just mention it too, that they have a bunch of different shows, different genre and different types is also uh, keeps it from, from being boring. Yeah. That's, that's all. Oh, for sure. All right. Well, I was very happy to have Jenna Ortega as a host, and we're going to get to her sketches from this episode. But first, I would like to talk about the cold open this week because it felt so different than some of the cold opens we normally get. Not political in nature at all. This time it was Oscars week, and we had the Oscars actually last night. So uh, before the Oscars aired in real life, we had an Oscars red carpet hosted by Marcelo and Heidi, and we had different um, we did different cast members come play different impressions. So Keenan as Mike Tyson, Chloe as Jamie Lee Curtis, who won last night, uh, Mikey as Colin Farrell, and Molly as Brendan Gleeson, former host from the season. Bowen Yang comes in as George Santos. We also get to see Andrew Dismukes and Devin Walker with some DraftKings betting hosts. Uh, Sarah Sherman plays Michelle Williams, Jewish acting coach, and Michael Longfellow at the end as Pinocchio. So this was a fun way to tackle some pop culture impressions that we haven't gotten from the show in a while. Victoria, are you a big Oscars person? And what did you think of this cold open? I I do I do love a good award show and it feels like there've been a lot lately. I'm uh I did watch the Oscars and I never audibly cheered as loud for someone as I did for Key who Key I don't know how to say his middle name, Quan. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anyway, From I was, everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Yes, he's so deserving. He's such a great person. I was cheering. So I I do love the awards. Uh, I love the fashion of it. I love, I love the magic of cinema, as they say. Uh, this was a really fun cold open because as you just mentioned, it wasn't about politics. It was about some of the stuff that we see and know that we don't get to tackle all the time. Like Mario Lopez. When have we, when was the last time we saw Mario Lopez on Saturday Night Live or was, when was he mentioned? So Andy Samberg played uh, played Mario Lopez once before. Uh, this yeah. was in like a very random sketch in the late 2000s. Right. And then the whole like Heidi Garden be like, I'm Maria Menounos or Kit Hoover. They haven't told me which one yet. Like that is so funny because they they like interchange a lot at these things. So it was just really cool. Um, I would say my favorite part, not that you asked, but my favorite part about the cold open was <laughs> the rounds thing. And he was like, he said like George Santos would play Tom Cruise. And yeah. like, I, I, I like hope and pray that would happen and it didn't. So it's okay. You hoped in real life, George Santos would show up to the red carpet. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, never know. <laughs> he's got, that man has like, we have the same 24 hours as George Santos and he's like just doing a lot, you know, um, it's scary and impressive. <laughs> For sure. I mean, Bill, I have to be honest with our audience where I love award shows. I can't really do the Oscars. It's, I find it drags for a very long time, but I can do the red carpet. I've always enjoyed a good red carpet. So what do you think of this cold open? John, you can't set yourself up like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm with you, John. I, I mean, I, I don't watch as many movies as I used to. Um, 
you know, so like the Emmys are still relevant to me. The Grammys are still relevant to me. The Oscars, you know, I see these movies usually after the Oscars happen because it's just the way of the world right now. But um, I do like the red carpet. I do like what they did here. Um, I'm always game for them to do something different. Um, I I love the Mike Tyson uh, impression by Keenan. Uh, we'll have to check with Mike Murray. Maybe you know this off the top of your head, John, but is this the longest between impressions? Because Keenan did Tyson in a Robert Schmeigel TV funhouse in 2005. So it's 18 years between him doing this impression. Yeah, I would say I can't, I'd have to check. I, I think off the top of my head, there has to be one that's longer, but I did it on Saturday on the Hot Take Show say that I, this is the first time he did it. And I completely had forgotten about that because it was just like a voice impression. He didn't actually play yeah. him in person. But right. yeah, I mean, I, I, get, I go back to Tracy Morgan playing Mike Tyson a few times. And then, you know, Mike Tyson himself, if you remember that sketch in season 35, uh, Mike Tyson appeared on What Up With That? So that he was uh, pretty pissed at Keenan Thompson once upon a time in a sketch. That's right. And that, that ending with George Santos, this is as close to a runner as we get on SNL now. And you, you'll, you might be the only one to get this, John, but it kind of reminded me of Robert Lada, uh, the character that Rich Hall played okay. in season in season 10. Uh, if very you don't remember, I, I'm sure TJ knows this because he's, he's very familiar with those mid-80s SNLs. But uh, <laughs> is this Tim Kazarinski all over again? No, is it's this- not. It's, no, no, I'm not going to. No. <laughs> But Rich Hall played this character. This this it was an actual person who who snuck into the White House with the military band, and then so SNL did this runner the entire season of of Robert Lada showing up on the weekend update desk and and kind of wandering into scenes and things like that. It was very meta, and we don't really get that anymore. So, but I feel like this is our Robert Lada that George Santos is just going to show up randomly in different sketches like this for no reason at all. Um, so I'm, I'm glad they're leaning into that a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, mostly this worked for me. I, I think it was a funny anecdote, but I would say uh, there were some other parts to me that probably worked a little bit better, including, uh, you know, just setting TJ up here in a second, but including uh, Mikey and Molly together as Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell, where I thought they were pretty good. Thanks for the troops for wearing your bay. Hey, me green, 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 cute, tarry, swiddle, toony trees in it. Yeah. It really just felt like a great Brendan Gleeson monologue, TJ. Oh, God. <laughs> What's the question, John? Like, what, what did you think of the cold open? <laughs> what do I think of the cold open? Okay, what, what do I have here in my notes? Um, I, I mean, I'll be honest, they, they had me really early with the line about, like, here's a pan to women's feet, which I just thought was a really funny line to just, like, clip together. And then a bunch of, like, pictures of, like, ankles. <laughs> um. This this dragged on. I can't. You know what? For so long, I've been like, oh god, here we go, another political cold open. And I'll be honest, I feel like they've done much better on cold opens this season than they were doing the past like six, seven years. I I mean, maybe it's just recency bias because I can't remember like every single cold open. But I don't think I, there hasn't been as least as much Trump and Biden for me that isn't like at least for me. I feel like they've tried a couple of different things, but I don't know. Like maybe it's just recency bias. Um, I keep we, got, we got a little so bit much. of Trump on update, though, but we'll put a pin in that until later. Yes. Yeah, we'll put a pin in that. Uh, I, I don't want to phrase this. I keep forgetting for, for like the past seven years, eight years, whenever, whenever they started going, whenever Alex started showing up in the cold opens, I've been thinking, God, can we just get this over with? And I've had like one cold open in all of my time of watching SNL that I've been like, this is one of my favorite sketches. And it's the R. Kelly one. That's that's one. 
so for so long I've been wanting like just like oh the political code opens they drag and they drag and I just I keep forgetting that like when I do actually get one that's not political, um that I'm like, oh wait, I'm supposed like I still need this to like work for me. And I could see what they were going for, but I'm also not an Oscars person. I could I could give a flying rat's ass about the Oscars. Like I like the Emmys and I listen to a lot of music. So the Grammy, like I, I look at the winners like the day after, but like you, you couldn't pay me to watch the Oscars. Um, you can't pay me to watch an award show. Um, actually, that's not true. I, I'd like money. So yeah, you totally could pay me to watch the Oscars. Um, but let, that's besides the point. This cold open reminded me that like, I still need like, I don't, you know, I don't know what I wanted. It just didn't work for me as much as I wanted it to. And maybe it's also because like the whole Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell of it all. I don't, I have not seen one of those. I have not seen. The only thing I know about Colin Farrell is that there was a family guy joke about him in 2005. Like that's the most like, and apparently there was something about Irish racism. And I was like, let me at least, I watched like a trailer of their movie. Like my hatred. Okay, I was telling this in the pre-show. My dislike for that Brendan Gleeson episode is so strong that I did not realize that Molly was playing Brendan Gleeson. Like, I didn't even... I just rewatched that 20 minutes ago. And com- uh, 30 you thought it was ago. actually Brendan Gleeson? I, no, I didn't think it was Brendan Gleeson. My fog of... Like, my contempt for that episode was so strong. And I was like, can, can we get this over with? That I was like, I didn't even clock that Molly was doing a really fun... Um, I don't even want to... <laughs> The worst fun in Brendan Gleeson, I don't want to be paired together. I mean, this sounded great. Tight work our troops for our annual day. Hey, me green, 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 pewatari, swell, tuny trees in it. Look, Molly has not done any wrong, but I want to say this. This cold open, it wasn't... I think because we have gotten changes of pace from, like, heavy political opens, that it was... It wasn't as refreshing as, like, when we saw the Britney cold open because like now we're seeing them try new things and it's good but i, I guess i just wouldn't mind I, I i i don't know it just wasn't for me and also the minute you could tell the second it was running too long for myself when they changed sets to a complete like that uh dismukes and devon thing um where they had like that was about a they were probably there for what like a minute minute and a half john that probably in itself you could probably picture was, was like i wonder if that was a sketch they were going to write themselves they could like Exactly. Like, and so it just, it kind of just made it drag a little bit. Um, and uh, also just never forget that we are all Ukraine. <laughs> uh. Let me just make two observations. One, let me just say, uh, if you were uh, watching this cold open at some points and didn't know what year this was from, and you saw impressions of Mario Lopez, Mike Tyson, and Jamie Lee Curtis, let alone Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, I think you'd think this was like from 15 years ago. Exactly. Uh, but second, let me just say to all the people out there who may have been uh, partially offended by the Irish speak here, I just for, for equal time purposes, just so you know, we're not making fun of, of the Irish, I will also play this from Sarah Sherman. My hair is for cock, but I'm here. Okay, so equal time, all right, and, uh, and it was fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're not making fun of the Irish. I'm making fun of Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell, but they're also successful and rich, and I'm just a guy on the internet, so what does that matter? Exactly, TJ. I have All perspective. Right, I can into- hate, but I have perspective. Let's do it. Let's get into the sketches we want to talk about from this episode. And Victoria, I will send it over to you for our first deep dive into one of the sketches. Yeah, I would love to talk about Waffle House. I thought it was such a fun sketch. I think it was doing two things at once, but was able to do them simultaneously without being 
overly distracting, at least for me. I think we got to ha- see them have their conversation, their emotional, like, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to New York City. I'm not going to stay or whatever she said. I also gave her a Southern accent. Uh, but <laughs> while in the back, there's all this funny stuff happening. It was chaos. But I think just the ju- juxtaposition of them, I that's what I appreciate most about this sketch. And I just want to give that, that's my angle that I'm coming at from is the juxtaposition of these two folks are having a serious conversation. There's chaos in the background, but the chaos didn't overtake from their conversation so that you can appreciate what's going on in front of you as well as in the back. And then the thing that tied everything together and was mwah, for me, was Mikey Day being her dad at the end of it. It's like cheesy a little bit, kind of corny that he would be the dad as he's like being thrown out the window. But I, that's just like classic humor for me. And it, I really enjoyed that. Also, that's when I also noticed the size of Jenna Ortega being, being a small girl. Right. But mature woman. For sure. I have to say, this is probably my favorite sketch of 2023 so far. I think this was so brilliant the way that they did it. I love the fact that it's set up basically as like a teen drama, like something you would expect Jenna Ortega to actually be in a show like this. Marcella was perfectly casted as her opposite here and they're you know, playing the scene. And I can tell you, I've watched this sketch four or five times, I still haven't been able to listen to what Jenna and Marcelo are saying to each other because I'm so distracted by what I keep trying. I'm like, wait, like what? You know, you know what I'm saying, TJ? Right. Like, I'm like, what are they, right. what are they saying? Because the craziness that's happening in the background is so hilarious to me. I think they were just like, like this is to me is how you use uh, like a large cast in a sketch. Like you'll often hear me complaining uh, on in the past about like, okay, too many cast members in a sketch and it feels unnecessary. I think what works here so brilliantly is that it's like, they, they fill the scene in a way that doesn't feel like overwhelming They're, and doesn't feel unnecessary. Like every single person that comes in is doing something different and funny and exciting. And it escalates in the right way where you have like Ego falling off uh, the, the bar and then, uh, you know, Devin getting hit in the head with a pan and, and then the taser and the kids stealing the gun. Like there was just like every minute that you were looking back there, it felt like an Easter egg or a fun surprise that you weren't really supposed to be see, but you are seeing it. And I think that's what makes this sketch so much fun. So Bill, did you enjoy it as much as I did. I thought this on Saturday, and I think it even more now having watched it about five or six times myself. This is definitely the best pre-tape of the season by far. Um, this this was so brilliantly done. There's so many details, as you said. Um, there's all of the different things that are going on, and I'm obsessed with who these extras are now. Like after watching this, it was like watching the Zapruder film. You've got this kid that steals the gun off of Dismukes. Who was that? You've got this this fat uh, fat shirtless guy running through with a cowboy hat on, dancing around. That was, <laughs> that was my husband. Actually, you know, the little boy was also was actually Jenna Ortega. That was why I kept mentioning how small she was. See, I there thought the little go. boy was like Tiny Tim, the one that got hit, like, and then just went down. That was Sarah. Drain. Oh, <laughs> no, but, didn't Tiny no, this, Tim this go was... down the drain? Go ahead, Bill. Yes, yes. No, this this was brilliant, um, and, and it's so spot on with Waffle House. You guys talked about it on Saturday night. Um, I, I moved to Atlanta in my early twenties, and you know I had been to Denny's and IHOP at you know late at night when things get crazy in these places. But this is Waffle House at six o'clock at night. Like it doesn't matter where it is, 
or which town it's in or no, this, this is, you know, you go there for the grits, you stay for the entertainment. So th- this was, so, so whoever made this definitely lived in the South at some point. Is that the, fantastic? Is that the Waffle House slogan? Come here for the grits, stay for the entertainment? Yeah. Yes, I work for them actually. So that's yeah. I'm their I'm their ad man. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty good. I'll say uh, with regards to who made this, I uh, got to shout out Mikey and Streeter for writing this as well. Mike Diva for directing it, Ryan Spears for editing, and then there's like a million people who worked on this as well. So I don't want to like shout out. Um, I, I'm acknowledging that there's so many people that worked on this that were amazing. I did post on Instagram uh, that you know sketches like these are the reason why we have to support and appreciate the film unit at SNL, and mm-hmm. uh, you know whatever happens in the future with whether they're going to strike or or be properly supported and or not um you know we're obviously you know on their side and you know for anyone who's like somewhat interested in snl and and maybe doesn't have the same uh like it's more of a casual and then they see something like this you need to understand how like difficult it is to put something like this together so i was messaging with some of the people in the film unit about this sketch and just saying like this is fantastic. Please let me know if you have any like fun anecdotes I could share on the podcast. And um, this was a really fun thing when it came to producing this sketch, which was uh, one fun fact about this one was that all the shots where you see Marcelo and Jenna in the foreground while action was happening in the background were done as two separate shots using a green screen. So it's not like they filmed basically the two, you know, them in front and then all the stuff is happening at the back. They filmed them completely separate. So they have a green screen going on behind Marcelo and Jenna, and then they inserted all those shots after. And if you go, I think, uh, I think it's Damage Studios uh, posted on Instagram, and hopefully I credit that correctly, posted a very fun behind the scenes video of Mikey being thrown through the window and being like, you know, caught in some net or whatever. So you could see like some background on this. Anyways, this is not like some type of high school production in the way that maybe home movies were created back at the beginning of SNL. These are like full on feature film shoots that they produce and amazing commercials and incredible creative, uh, you know, ways to produce pre filmed material. So I have to give all credit to everyone involved. TJ, how did you feel about it? And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. If this wasn't the most America sketch we have had in, I don't know, a football player. Speaking of American Idol, by the way. (laughs) I don't know, a football player and a a country singer were the the show last week. So this is probably very American. But like, this was so, this, just, that song says what I needed to say. It's just very American. You guys are commenting on all the right things. I did have one question. Waffle House has lately been in the, 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 the TikTok sphere. Because uh, I don't know what her official name is, but some call her the chair girl. I don't know if any of our listeners or anybody's watching right now know what I'm talking about. There was a woman who had a chair thrown, a Waffle House worker that had a chair thrown at her. And this bitch caught the chair. And like, there have been like recreations and like people drawing her as like an anime character catching the chair. Actually, she didn't catch the chair. She took the chair like a G, like she like, it like hit her in the arm and she like didn't get knocked down. She like took, absorbed the blow and redirected the chair out of the way. Like she was airbending that shit. Like, and so that's what Awful House has been in my mind for because of this chair girl. I don't, anyone knows what I'm talking about. Um, But like. I, Heidi was dressed as that girl, and so at some point I expected a chair. Like you, you guys had this perfect sketch. You could have, you could have added some sprinkles to the top of it, and you didn't. But it's okay because this was incredible. I, you know what? 
Um, we talk a lot about it on this program. We, we talk so much about sketches that we would share to the mainstream. Because everyone here on this program right now and all of us that are interviewed, that are watching live, Manette, Demi, all of you, we're nerds, every single one of us, because we love this show so much. But when I think about people that, like, you know, I don't know, like, that don't watch the show like us, but, <laughs> like, that we share things with, this is one of those sketches you share to the world. You know, this is one of those things that just reminds you why SNL is this 45-year-plus, you know, 45, 48-year, 48 48-year, 48 like, long-running incredible phenom and for fuck's sake pay these editors like just give them the money we were all talking and like everyone was like sorry i'm getting very graphic everyone was like gushing over the hbo mario kart thing like just this is incredible wonderful work and i swear to god snl if you pardon me again john for this one if you fuck up my quinta brunson episode (laughs) I, you will feel my wrath. And I don't know in what form that wrath may be, you know, yeah. I make a mod- very modest income, but like still. TJ's already no. booked himself for the hot take show for that particular episode. <laughs> just so oh, yeah. John, John messaged me like saying like, oh, I know this is gonna, like, I have been, this This is my arc. That, well, let's, let's say that until after. after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll end but the no, show. It was a great sketch. It was, yeah. it was a really great sketch. I think you should also, like you didn't give credit to perhaps the most important person in the sketch, John. Okay, which is? Mikey Day's nipple rings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's because he put them on, uh, he put them in his pants, so I, I lost sight of them. But yes, Bill. I, I'll, I'll see your nipple rings and I'll raise you one Dukes of Hazard tattoo on his back, which I missed <laughs> until the third time. A blink and, and, like, and you oh miss my God. it. A blink and you miss it tattoo. Yes. Like, he turned off for like a second and I caught that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, honestly, good good for Mikey. I think uh, a lot of us, you know, were, you know, rightfully so talking about is have we seen everything we could possibly see from Mikey? And I do feel like this season he's challenged himself to bring something else to the table. So uh, honestly, uh, hard to uh, find much more to praise because this was amazing. I just hope that, you know, if we end up going into an April 1st episode where it is all live sketches, I think we're going to have fun with it and talk about, you know, what SNL would look like in an episode without any pre-tapes. But we have to keep in mind that there is a reason why we have two or three pre-tapes in an episode because it makes the show better. So let's not lose sight of the fact when we are enjoying ourselves on April 1st, potentially still. Exactly. And it, well, again, like part of it is like, don't, don't mess with my Quinta episode. But two, like those, <laughs> I, I'm I'm not even kidding. Like, but like, Same. but two, those pre-tapes, those that first and second pre-tape, break up and give them time to swap out. Do you people like? Okay, I, and the problem is the viewers can't really change anything except like, we can only like push the boat as SNL. But as ultimately, it's their decision. It's their HR department. But like, you know, we have our live sketch. Then we have a pre-tape. During that pre-tape, they're not just sitting sitting around sipping Capri Suns, although I don't know why that makes you want a Capri Sun, but it doesn't matter. They're changing things out so they can get us a second live sketch without a commercial break. Less pre-tapes means more commercials, which I guess in uh, No, that's means- not true. That's okay, not true. Fire, okay, hit me, hit me. Yeah, no, uh, just just to clarify that, uh, the commercials have nothing to do with the show itself. The commercials are inserted by the network, so the mm. like they have a lot of time for commercials. They wouldn't get more commercials and like use the time to sell more advertising dollars. Uh, the the commercials. Really don't think a corporation wouldn't do that. Come on, no, hundred percent not. No, the the show is given the time to produce the show, and whatever they end up putting on is up to the show at that point. But it's not uh, the time would not be then allotted to advertising. Bill, back I mean, up. 
I don't know. Uh, yeah, exactly right. I mean, there's not there's a very strict amount of commercial time that they'll put in any network show. I think what we'll end up seeing is these very elongated sketches that we're complaining about that are nine or ten minutes long because they're not going to want to change the set, change the dressing. Cha- mm-hmm. So we're going to end up with these, you know, kind of parades of everybody coming in, and we're going to get that three or four times in the show, which is going to be very tedious. But that's yeah, for they're thing. going I mean- to torch my girl, my. my- yeah, can I just also say there was a cut pre-tape from this episode. Uh, it was called "Will Ad" by by SNL, but some people are calling it "Future Trust." But uh, this is a, uh, you know, I'm I'm not going to give you the premise of the pre-tape in case it happens in that episode, so we don't spoil it. But basically, this this was a pre-tape that was cut from the Kiki Palmer episode, also cut from this episode. I think they're probably putting it in the can for April first in case they need it. So I would expect that to air then as a good breakup between two sketches that have like you know more than just a quick change. Um, Victoria, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, like, everything being said just points to how, especially in 2023, every single piece of this show is important. The little stuff, the big stuff. I mean, performing is so, it's it's a joy and it's, it's you know, if you're a performer, you love to do it, but it's also incredibly hard. And that's why there's intermissions at Broadway shows and, and all that, too. I, I hope that... I have a feeling that they're going to do the right thing because I also feel the same way about Quinta Brunson. She is someone I completely admire and is someone I want to follow in the footsteps of. And um, if she, here's the thing though. I think she'll, if there, if, if another, there is another the, small host, <laughs> another, small. another very small. Yeah. She's very small. Yeah. She's very I don't want to interrupt the discussion, but I know we're going to talk about yeah. this at the end of the podcast. So I just really yes, just want yes, to yes. pivot again to <laughs> over to uh, finishing up our discussion of these sketches from the Jenna episode and give, give them their due. And then we'll talk all of Quinta Brunson as much as we want. So uh, Bill, oh, can we just talk about Quinta? <laughs> we will. We'll get there. And we're going to have a whole week of coverage <laughs> of that show as well. But Bill, uh, let's go to the sketch that you do want to talk about. I'd like to talk about uh, the latest in a brilliant string uh, by PDD called Road Trip. Uh, we, we start off with this, uh, you know, they're sitting in their office, what they did last week and the last previous couple of weeks, where they start in the office and then they branch out. So they decide to go on this uh, road trip and they invite Jenna Ortega to come with them. And they start singing this real bop about going on a road trip across the country. Uh and it, it just kind of devolves from there. You know, they're all happy, but then they miss the exit because uh, he's not, Martin's not paying attention to the nav. He's got to focus on the nav. And, uh, you know, then, then it cuts to uh, the Slurpees and, and Jenna's slurping this. And, and I mean, this, this covers everything that you want in a road trip. Everybody can relate to this on some level. The, the nerves that are frayed by sitting in a car with someone for a long time, listening to their crappy music, listening to slurp their drink. Um, so, yeah, th- this was perfect. This uh, PDD just continues to kill it. Never a bad free tape by them. Uh, loved everything about this. There was this weird storyline going on where like Martin was being such like a weird passive aggressive uh, weirdo. Like I, I <laughs> yeah. just, like like I, I didn't catch this on the first watch, but there's this moment where Martin says this that I thought it was so funny. They're not in charge of me. Did you get that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, you're not in like, charge of me. Like Which was I thought. <laughs> It was so amazing because he was just like so upset at John for bossing him around. And it's like, that is the fun of a road trip, which is like, you know, you go out and you're so excited, like, hey, everybody, we're going to go on a road trip for hours. And then you realize like, 
oh, wow, I'm stuck in a car with these people for hours and there's nothing I can do about it. And I think that they played on that really well. And I, I thought it was it was really well done. And for a third week in a row of PDD, I don't feel like the, we got diminishing returns here. I think it was just as solid as some of the previous ones. So, uh, TJ, how do you feel about PDD this week? There's a there's a Keenan character that like I've never understood a day in my life, but for some reason one word from this character pops in my head, which is just the phrase "never lost," which I think is like a him doing an impression of like a sports guy. Lamar, I think it's Lamar Odom. I think that's uh, who it I think is. it's. I think uh, is, is, is it, it Lavar Ball? Lavar Ball. It's Lavar Ball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I never lost. So these 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 boys have not lost. I mean, they've had a couple of duds. But their, like, batting average is incredible. Like, even their cut-for-time stuff, like, Rami wants a treat. I, that's one of my favorite ones from last season. Um, like, they are doing, like, phenomenal work. And let's just, let's just, let's talk a minute to talk about Rochester for just a second here. What moron is doing the Nev and DJing at the same time. Those are two essential, very specific jobs. And look, I know some of y'all might think, oh, TJ, I have the dexterity and the wherewithal and the creative, like, you know, flexibility to do these things. No, you don't. They require your full attention. Nav requires your passive attention. DJing is a full-time job when you are behind. I don't care if you got to drive six minutes to get to the, to get to like a mailbox or something like that. DJing is somebody who like DJ. I DJ dances sometimes. Like when I'm when I'm in the car, when I'm driving, which I like. I don't know. This is like one of the. It's like one of the. I'm like old school on like a couple of things. I when I'm like I like to be the guy that drives. Like that's. I don't know why I like that, but like I like being the one to drive. Me too. I'm like that too. Yeah, I don't know why I'm like. Maybe it's like because I get motion sick if I'm in the passenger seat. That might be more so. It's the control for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh no i don't know like i don't know but i do like i do prefer to be the one that drives and so i'm also going to dj if i'm driving it's going to be my music now here's the thing i have incredible taste when it comes to bops because i make people dance a lot um but that's not everybody some people are out here putting on kelsey ballerini yeah john that's a detect that's what that's what just happened right there um but like <laughs> i'm sorry i don't know why i'm doing this uh that has nothing to do with john um, better than Morgan Wallen. You know what? Actually, Morgan Wallen has a song I like. <laughs> I can't even front. I know that's crazy, and I'm black too. <laughs> that's wild. Oh, that's, that, that's a deep SNN cut. From, I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but that's besides the point. Like the road trip is. I, I. I. It's funny. I made like a small. Um. I made like a like a little. Uh. I made a reel or like a, a sketch about this like a few years ago where. Uh, my buddies and I, we were like really excited to go on a road trip. We we're going to go to the beach. All of us, and we were like hooting and hollering. We get in the car and I realized, oh my God, like just what John said, I'm in the car with these ninjas for three hours. Like it's just here. Like we just, we were sitting, it was just three men sitting in silence. Like <laughs> the road trip is, I, I, like, you know, I do wonder, like, they say the great American road trip, but I do wonder like, you know, uh, John, you're Canadian or like some of our European listeners. I got, we have road trips up here. Yeah, no, I'm assuming you guys do, but I'm wondering, no, like, I'm more wondering about, like, our other, our additional international listeners, you know, like, they kept saying the Great American Road Trip, but I'm just wondering, is there different road trip cushions for all the cultures? So, this was a lot of fun, it made me think, but also, do not DJ and nav if you are not capable of it, all right? Yeah, I just gotta, I gotta interrupt here and just say, like, uh, I sort of feel that, like, 
it's the driver's responsibility to pick the music and like yes you could thank you you can be cognizant of like your passengers and be like okay like i'm not gonna play exactly what i want because i know that like the driver's gonna enjoy it but it is ultimately final decision goes to the driver you goddamn right it does absolutely (laughs) absolutely let me say my wife and I, we, we've gone on road trips for 19 years now. We we split the driving. Whoever is driving controls it. And my playlist is so damn long, I'm ready. Nobody has to fix it for me. I know exactly what is on my playlist. If we're going three hours, I've got three hours worth of songs. If we're going six hours, I've got six hours worth of songs. So absolutely, it's the driver. Bill, yeah. Bill is ready. He's ready. <laughs> yeah, I also say like when I'm alone in the car, like I'm most of the time I'm listening to a podcast. But like when there's people in the car with me, it's like I can't put on a podcast. Like that's insane, right? Like you can't just like. Well, John, John, yeah. you, John, you are also a host. You're a host as well, and you also DJ. Look, yeah, I don't think the DJ needs to extend to just good music because we're podcasters, we're, we're producers, and we also, which means we're curators. And I know how to curate a good podcast. Yeah. I like I know a good like 10, 15, 20 minute podcast that I sometimes will throw on. Like hey. It was this fun, interesting idea. You know, uh, you want to like, I don't know, like, but I've listened to a lot of shows and a lot of podcasts that like try different things. And so I know like what might work. And so I'll ask people and I do like to curate the experience for the car. So like, I'll see what the group wants to hear, but there's still hard lines that'll happen. And sometimes I just want to hear show tunes. Like sometimes I don't care. We're listening to, I want to listen to, let's put on, you know, um, uh, moving right along from the Muppets movie. Like, I don't know. Like, we're, we're going to play what I want to play. Yes, Bill, I know that song. It's one of my favorite Muppet songs. <laughs> I, I'm 100% with you. <laughs> that is definitely on one of my playlists. It's a great. It's a- <laughs> Let, let's let Victoria in with her thoughts. On um, that. Victoria, go ahead. I, was like, I, I have a, a rule of thumb when it comes to making playlists as the driver, and I like to drive because. Um, one, I just feel safer that way. But that being said, I have a rule one for you, three for me. And that's the like. You're too nice. You're too nice. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> but the but the one for you is like a general like everyone loves this song. Like everyone loves I want it that way by the Backstreet Boys. Like everyone knows that we sing it. Song of all but time. also, but I also like I also like really heavily just like talking to people. It keeps me like engaged and awake. Sure. Versus you know, but also, what is yeah. What is, <laughs> yeah, can, can I also just say that uh, like part of the reason why I kept my satellite radio that I have in the car, which is like seems like a little bit old school. I feel like everyone's using Spotify now, but like I uh, I use satellite radio in the car is because <laughs> I sometimes I like the music to be picked for me, but I like the control of choosing the channel that I'm picking. So, John, so there's like, literally Spotify can literally pick the music for you. There's literally yeah. an AI there's, DJ there's now. There's literally you don't need radio. To do it. <laughs> There's, there's literally radio there's discover weeklies release radars uh, things made for there's literally a made for you tab john that you can click on when you go to search listeners here I, I can't get rid of my satellite radio no 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 listen no no this is a this is a psa listeners if you are a spotify listener and for some reason you don't know this go to your search bar there's two things one search on the phrase on repeat it'll give you a list of the most 25 recent songs you've been listening to it'll update every three days so if you're wondering i want to hear something when i go in the shower but i don't feel like picking stuff put that on two search again go to the search tab again uh scroll down like three or four boxes you'll see a picture most likely of olivia rodrigo that says made for you <laughs> click on that you will find your top song to you'll sign that spotify has been out here watching you you know is what? that like a I'm play okay on good it. for you, like made for you? you know, like, is that oh my it? God, I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that until now. But, okay. but that's the size of the point. It is playlists and everything made just for you based on your listening habits. Listeners, if you don't know this, 
I guarantee you this will change your life if you are like somebody who loves to find and curate music. Like this is for you. If you don't know about this feature, you're waste, you're wasting your time. But it's it's for you. Sorry, All I right. just I love well, Victoria. So what much. were your thoughts on the sketch itself? <laughs> What were we talking about? I know. Like, what were you talking Yeah. What even? Uh, Road Trip, that was my, uh, actually my all-time favorite of the night. I really love that. I oh. am, I that also another reason, I think someone mentioned it here too. Like, I don't like sitting in the back because I do get car sick and I get a lot of anxiety. It just feels like very close in. The air feels heavy. Um, but when she was like, I'm going to throw up. The back is too reclined. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, when she's like, I'm going to throw up. I get car sick when I read. I'm like, Oh my God, me too. Like I, I love to read and I'm like, this is the perfect time to read or so you think, but I really get overwhelmed. I'm just like the fact that I can't move or like stand up or breathe. Or live my life. Can I, can I also just uh, say, like, I've I've had a lot of uh, sorry, I was going to say really quickly. I have oh, yeah. uh, a lot of experiences, like going up to like camp with like other people and like sitting in the back seat of the car. And like the line that she said, she's like, "Your leg hair is touching me." Like hits so close to yes. home because like going okay. up and like people with shorts, it, like it's yeah. I wait, John. Do you have... not wear shorts? Sorry, I always wear shorts. I love wearing shorts, but I'm saying oh, okay. it's like it's the leg hair <laughs> definitely touches in the back seat. John, you don't have shorts energy. Like, it's, it's just... It oh, I have big shorts energy. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're big shorts? Okay, all right. All, all, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Victoria, go ahead. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> well, a fun episode. <laughs> I don't learn more about John today than I reckoned I would. Um, no, I, I also have misophonia. It's like when noises... Like people get like chewing noises, slurping. So like the whole slurping thing, like I felt seen i felt heard i felt represented i felt like someone got me like chewing sounds or um when people what's it, like do this with their pens oh um it just you don't like a clicky top oh it's one of the most satisfying sounds in the world no i like asmr so, so no asmr playlist no, for you in the car no i hate when people <laughs> No, I hate when people whisper in my ear and it's like, like they make, ugh, like. Victoria, I, you're on the internet. Don't tell people things that you hate unless you're ready for them to do it to you. I'm chewing gum right now. <laughs> like, no one, I'm so ready to just do it into the microphone. So we all enjoy the sketch. I, I will send you. <laughs> yep. Yes, sketch was an 11 out of 10. Um, to TJ's point earlier, I was going to say this too. Please don't destroy like there hasn't been something that they've put out where I was like, mm, maybe not because I've really loved everything they've put out. I haven't, there's like some that are less lower energy than others, but overall, like these three dudes are um, two of my favorite Nepo babies. So worth, yep. worth the nepotism for me. I, I recently rewatched, I was, I was feeling like the need for some PDD a few weeks ago and I decided like, oh, you know, let me put on the hits, but <laughs> no, no, I, no, I yeah. really, I put on the playlist I and I was like, and I was like, I still find that first one about like the hard seltzer clothing store flavors just yeah. as funny is like the, the, like the minute I hear the phrase men's jackets, it's still like, it's <laughs> been in my head for the past two years. that It's still so funny to me. Um, and like I think with the exception of like the time traveling one where like they've run into their older selves, that's probably the weakest one for me. But like even that Taylor Swift and Pete and like and Pete Davidson, I'm like, even that one's a good one. Like they Yeah. I mean, these you know, of course you wanna hate them because they're Nepo babies, but they are so talented and so funny. You like it it this is the type of thing that like 
like Chet Hanks isn't good at. Like it's like, oh, these people clearly have talent. <laughs> like they clearly or like something that like Mon Apatow is good at. Like like they clearly have talent. And it is okay that they got these opportunities as opposed to wasting them doing shitty Jamaican accents. Um, that yeah. is a, Can that I is also a, just say, <laughs> I, I, t- I typically don't like talk about like uh, personal experiences, like in terms of interacting with, uh, with certain people on SNL over here for, for in, like, in all aspects of things. But I'll say like um, PDD is they're really nice. Like they're really nice people, and uh, despite all the talks about Devil Baby stuff, I think they're really nice, and they're doing a really good job on the show. And I think uh, they have a movie coming out this summer, which will be like fun, and hopefully we'll get to talk about that one as well uh, on the podcast over the summer. So I- I'm excited and supportive of them. And if this is the last PTD short that we get for obvious reasons on uh, you know this season, I think they had a very solid second season on the show. So yeah, um, I, I oh, and they were even in a they were even in the uh, a promo like SNL's. Uh, I don't know if the film unit that does our pre-tapes is also doing the, we've got a lot of uh, pre-tape promos this season. I don't remember right. if it started with uh, the first episode or with the fifth, but I remember like we started getting like these pre-tape promos. And then from then on, like they were knocking out of the park, these great promos. Um, and PDD was in the most recent one with Jenna. And it was, that one was getting around. Like I, I didn't even see it on uh, Instagram or YouTube. Like it was, I saw it on Facebook. Um, like and so these boys are hysterical. Like they're yeah, they're, they're I, I can't see their praises enough. They're doing fantastic. Yeah, I really want to hate them because they're three white dudes who are also I, I know, babies. but no, nah, but they're just funny. <laughs> they're just funny. They're objectively funny. I, if you don't enjoy PDD, I don't trust you. You know, I don't care that they're white. It's because they're nepo babies. Like I've, there's yeah. a lot of funny white people. There's so well, many. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, even on course. the podcast, I, even on, but like, but like the Nepo baby thing made me really want to hate, but like, cause I was like, Oh, you're the son of John, like of, uh, Steve Higgins. Steve Higgins to me is one of the funniest people yeah. ever. Yeah. He's like Martin short level funny. I love Steve Higgins. And you're I'm gonna like, like it when my son takes it. over the Saturday night network. <laughs> 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 I'm going to go on this for 30 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wow! Um, See, white white people are funny. Yeah, can I just say, uh, just very by complete coincidence, my dad is named Steve and I'm John. But anyways, wow! uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's. uh, On that note, uh, sorry, I'm not focusing on the now. (laughs) (laughs) Let's uh, let's move on to TJ's uh, sketch or moment of the night he wants to talk about. Yes, sir. I almost forgot that we've been podcasting about about SNL because we're having such a good time here. Uh, you're welcome, because uh, you know that's just the type of energy that I breathe. Um, okay, what the ham sandwich? Oh, all right. So, one thing I really enjoy about coming on this podcast is I like referencing other episodes that I've done or that I've listened to because, well, this is a really fun podcast to listen to, and to hear it throughout the season, reference callbacks to not just the show but ourselves. It's fine because we come back and we have like narratives, like trying to cancel John or you know not knowing who Tim Kaz or what the fuck his name is. Um, but <laughs> That was just an that was just an attack, um, and with that, I feel like I've completed an arc myself. This is the, I've completed two arcs, John. One, Quinta Brunson is booked on the April first show, and two, I love James Austin Johnson. That is my look. That is that is the arc. And for those who don't know, when he first came on, I was like, "What is this Elmer's blue stick skin boy doing on this show?" But you know what it was? It wasn't him. I even said he's a talented, funny guy. It was what SNL presented to me, presented him doing to me. He was doing Trump and Biden. What is TJ not like? Political sketches, 
So what is TJ not going to enjoy? The guy that's doing the cold, the political sketches. You guys called him the king, the the cold open king. You were on this. Hit. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to be. Graphic. I think Darren. Sorry Patterson if you kids that. I'm going to give him credit for that, just in case he's listening. Yes. But yeah, you I, guys yeah, were. You guys were on. Oh no! You know Darren was actually on my podcast recently. Um, you guys were on JAJ that first year, and I just wasn't feeling. I was like, he's funny, sure, but I just wasn't at the level. And now, again, by the way, I'm just a guy on the internet, so like, he of course he's he's great, but like, you're a journalist. Give yourself some credit. <laughs> oh my god, I'm a podcast. I'm not a journalist, but like, I a couple years ago, John sent me the audition tape for James Austin Johnson. And I loved it. I was like, I got to see like all his like his realm of possibility and talent, but I just kept seeing the political sketches. So when I would get to see him branch out just a little bit, I'd be like, oh, that was really fun. This season, and it was this episode that took me realizing it, that and I think whatever the episode was with Arby with the rhinoplasty thing, he's they were having him do so many different things. He's not just doing cold opens. And I feel like I wish this would have been his first year because I would have loved this guy. He's getting a chance to really show his chops, like doing the um the I don't know what it's really called. I just call it the Janet Snakehole sketch that Aubrey Plaza did with him. Um, King Brothers Toyotathon was is one of my favorite sketches of the season, and getting to see John, James Austin Johnson come out onto Weekend Update to just do what he does best so late into his like firecracker first couple of years. I mean, this guy is. I finally get why you guys were on this guy's. Sorry, I did for this one. Why you were on his dick for like two years? I finally see it. <laughs> like I finally feel like I see the light. But like, he's. I love these impressions. The minute he did Adam Driver calling Hannah a child. Look, we did a lot of things during the pandemic. We may not be proud of. I during the pandemic, I watched every single episode of both Girls and Entourage. I mean, I thought for some reason that might balance the two out. We had a lot of time during the pandemic. I played a lot of Pokemon and watched a lot of HBO. So I, I like I even though I hate Lady Dunham, I love that show. I know that character, and I've seen Star Wars, and so I just I love like I just ugh, these little micro impressions. And this was also here's the third here's the third arc. This was the first time in like seven eight years that I loved a Trump impression. Not liked, loved. When he said, we've been waiting a very long time for that Negroni, like, I I truly appreciated that. And because, maybe because it wasn't, I wasn't seeing the guy, I was just seeing the comedian. And I finally see this comedian and, you know, I'm, I'm loving this guy's journey in his second season. I still could give a fuck about the first season. I really could. But like that, his second season, I love what I've seen him do. I like seeing him team up with uh, with uh, Dismukes as well because we're seeing him do a parent like we saw Heidi and Chloe earlier this season. We're seeing like so we're finally seeing they're shaking off the Kate and the Cecily in the eighty that other era is gone and with stuff like this we are so in a new era and it's just just yeah. another way to show that. So I can't sing this praises enough. Also, got to give credit his hundredth SNL sketch appearance when yeah. he was on Weekend Update. So uh, you know. Huge props to him for doing that in just, you know, not less than two seasons, being able to pull that off. And uh, I think he is absolutely fantastic. He was clearly bred for the show. So uh, to get to see him in person doing his best work was really cool. Like to see the actual person, as TJ said, that was awesome this week. Uh, Victoria, any thoughts on Jadge? Jadge. It's funny. I always say it's shrimp jage. It just feels, it sounds like a, <laughs> like a nice Mediterranean plate I'd eat. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, he is, he impressed me right from the get go. The fact 
like I said, I said, wow. I audibly said, wow, when his very first episode was him in the cold open taking center stage. He does wonderful impressions. He, uh, what's it called? He also just does good characters. I, yeah, absolutely. There's been a trend, at least maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just, you know, I put it, planted it into my own head where impressionists kind of get pigeonholed at SNL. I'm really hoping that doesn't happen with him. I really, because he can explore, he has so much talent in that way. And we're going to talk about MVPs in a little, but he is my front runner for, for MVP, but we'll talk about more of that why in a few, but um, yeah, everything, everything TJ just said was, is spot on. Uh, and if you've seen him, if, if you haven't seen him do stand up, I highly recommend that you do. He is absolutely fantastic. He's all over the place. He uses his body. Like I have pictures of him like on the floor and standing up and he does, he's really awesome. Um, and the, I mean, listen, he did stand up in Detroit right next to the Justin Bieber concert. And so like high stakes, you know, people were going to walk out and go to Justin Bieber if he went. No, he didn't. Everyone bought their tickets, but it was just so good. And he like, it, it was great to see him to like electrify this room and get like such a roaring applause. So he's, he's got that, he's got that some, he's got that thing. And I, I see him being kind of in a year or two, maybe even now, and I'm just missing it, but being like the, the leader of, of the cast, if should Mikey day leave, I think he's going to be the, the male patriarch, if you will. Oh, and I didn't even think sense. about that. I didn't even think of you're right. I didn't even think about him as being the the future. I knew he was a star, but I didn't think about him even being like the future leader, the future male yeah. leader. Is it because he's yeah. not in the alpha as you guys have been trying to like talk about? Like you guys have been talking about alphas for like five episodes. I mean, it's been a thing for sure. But yeah. uh, you know, the storyline of JJ is really interesting because I I think for me it's like his first season. He comes on and he's obviously like the Swiss Army knife of talent. But he joins the show. Emphasis on Swiss. Yeah, and he he joins the show and he's like uh you know has to sort of in a way like succumb to the pressures of SNL where he's you know is being forced into doing the impressions. Uh, had an amazing first episode where we're all surprised about who is this guy and uh you know basically I, I feel like snl was sort of controlling his path in the first season and then in the second season it's like taken a little bit like it was maybe a little bit slower to start the season but eventually he's now gone to the point where i feel like he's controlling the narrative of what he wants to put on the show and i think that was fantastic to mm -hmm. um to just get to see everything he's doing bill i'm so impressed so what else do you would you, would you like to say about him well, that's a great point. And, and there was genuine concern that we talked about at the beginning of the season, pre, you know, before Christmas, where we weren't seeing him in these roles. Here's Sarah just on this rocket ship at the beginning of the season as a, as a second uh, season for her. And uh, we weren't seeing him get those roles. And then, as TJ points out in the Aubrey episode where he's playing this private eye, and then ever since that moment, it felt like a light switch went off. And it's it's a nice mix of the impressions and the straight roles. Um, and, and I, it does, it feels like a Dana Carvey, Phil Hartman kind of thing where, yeah, they're known for their impressions, but they were also in the sketches, you know, mm -hmm. playing the husband, playing the boyfriend, um, you know, playing the card dealer as he did with the smukes. So, uh, I'm very, very impressed. I love, uh, this appearance on weekend update. It's so interesting to see someone who does an impression all the time on the show, not do it in makeup. I don't know how many yeah. times we've gotten that in the show, especially in recent years. 
Um, so that was a very, very cool moment. And then I, I think James points this out in the in the chat, but that Bob Dylan cell phone oh, yeah. vibration was everything. <laughs> it was what I did not know I needed. Like that was just. Yeah. Eh, yeah. Eh. <laughs> fantastic yeah that was so good and i think this is a good transition point to talk about the sketch that i want to talk about which is the jingle pitch sketch that happened at the end of the night where we get the team up of jaj and andrew dismukes together and i can only imagine the two of them sitting in a room together talking about this idea and trying to come up with fun iterations of a phone number and it, it really is a very silly and stupid sketch to end the night and it's like so many episodes, we've just been waiting, like, give me an Andrew Dismuke sketch, especially at the end of the night, like, <laughs> where we can, we can have some fun and have him be his silly self. And this time we had, you know, a great performer in JJ work with Andrew Dismukes. And as TJ had mentioned, we had that Toyotathon sketch, you know, a few, uh, a few episodes ago and now we get another version of these two together. And I just thought it was so great because it, you know, for everything we love about Andrew, he is sort of, you know, in a specific style. Like, I don't know that Andrew Dismukes can have the ability to stretch himself out as much as J.A.J. does. It's like when you get Andrew on the show and it's an Andrew Dismukes written sketch, you know what you're going to get. But when you pair him with a dynamic performer like J.A.J., it's sort of like pushes Andrew in a direction that goes even beyond his natural abilities. I sort of compare it in a way to like like a basketball player who might be like pretty solid, but when you team him up with somebody who's like extremely skilled, he sort of expands and becomes a better player. I think that Andrew Dismukes is a much better cast member for being paired with James Austin Johnson. So I love what they came up with in this sketch. I thought it was really fun. The whole which is it was pretty catchy but then like yeah obviously the first two versions of the numbers weren't so great but i have to say the number that they came up with at the end the jingle uh is stuck in my head and would be a great jingle so just in case you missed it this was awesome 16 trillion seven hundred twenty five million five hundred fifty thousand one hundred thirty six I mean, not only did they have fun, but they also came up with a great jingle at the end. So this was a win-win all around. Was it the best sketch in the night? Probably not. But this was exactly what I want to see in a show, if not every week, at least every couple of weeks. So great pairing, great sketch to end the night. Bill, what did you think of it? Not the best of the night, but I will take this over the back-to-back thruple cliff that we went over last week with Travis Kelsey anytime. Uh, this, yeah, I love this pairing. Um, Bowen kind of chewed too much of the scenery for me. Uh, he kind of went over the top. I know that's what he was supposed to do. I don't usually criticize Bowen because I, I really like the way that he portrays these characters. But it felt like too much that they just kept going back to the Lucianos thing and the Luch. And, you know, I, I didn't love that part of it. Um, but, yeah, this was this was fun. Um, and it's a nice way to end the night. And, yes, that jingle is stuck in my head for sure. Yeah, I think there was elements of this sketch I probably could have tightened up. I don't know that the the luch and the getting drunk and wanting to go back to the moment where you're drunk completely worked, but it was the Andrew and JJ pairing that I just like couldn't get over. So for me, it sort of elevated everything else. TJ, what did you think of Jingle Bitch? The, these outfits, did these boys, were they like watching videos of like Southern like black southern baptist preachers and did they, were they did they see a bunch of like cat williams dvd covers and then they had me watching lonely island videos at the same time and just thought oh i have got the look for these characters and like combined all like that energy 
into these outfits um, because it was giving, you know, it was giving Sandberg and Timberlake. It was giving Southern Baptist Preacher. It was giving Cat Williams circa 2000 or uh, a pimp named Slickback. Um, like it was giving like that energy. Um, I don't know. Like, John, you kind of said everything. It just made me think like it made me go back and watch King Brothers Toyota Thon because like I really enjoyed that pairing. And I'm seeing this again, and I'm like, you know, I just want to keep seeing what they do. And it made me realize that Dismukes really is pulling from a lot of stuff that, like, I, I don't know how old Dismukes is. I don't know if he's the same age as me, but it feels like young millennial stuff because he's mentioned Disney Channel, the Mario Brothers, the Limo email. Like, a lot of stuff I feel like myself observing a lot. Um, 27. Okay. Um, like, I feel like he's just observed, or 28, I don't know how, oh, 27, okay. It's, well, I'm 29, and so it just, I feel like a lot of the observations he's making, especially about Disney Channel original movies, like, I get his really weird sense of humor that he's, like, going for. So, um, I, I enjoyed that last jingle because I found myself, like, bumping my shoulders at the end, and, oh, I realized I forgot the jingles, like, until you replayed them. So I had fun during the episode, but I didn't like retain it. And so I think I definitely preferred that King Brothers thing. But it, it definitely yeah. like gives me like these are two weird comedy dudes who just like sat down, had a beer, and they got on a runner and started talking. And like they were like, oh, shit, this is like really, really good. And they started doing it. And like, but it's like working. Like, I don't know. I just I don't have anything else good to say about it. But it was it worked. Not the strongest, but like it. Actually, you know, I'm going to say it that wasn't worked. It was cool. I liked the good. chemistry more than I liked the sketch. Yeah, here's here's how here's how they were dressed. If you're watching on YouTube, this is how they were dressed on a Saturday night. So you have the, the <laughs> you know the, the suits. Yeah, yeah the, look, the look did kill me. Oh, yeah, got the, the hair. Yeah, the hair the and wigs. the goatees is great. Yeah, JJ looks fantastic. This was the red carpet look that we needed uh, for this weekend yes. to go over. You know, who, what are you wearing, JJ and Andrew Dismukes? But uh, I did make the comparison on Saturday night. I said it sort of reminded, reminded me a little bit of Round Ball Rock, which was the Tim Robinson and Jason Sudeikis sketch. So just by comparison, let's look at these two together who instead <laughs> do, do the vest. We still got the goatee look and everything like that and the hair. So I feel like I'm kind of similar here. And uh, yeah, this was this was a fun pairing as well that too bad we could have gotten uh, maybe a little bit more of that on the show. But I think we do have a very fun pairing to play with and victoria i would love to get your thoughts on the sketch as well this sketch i just feel absolutely ass out decked down and hey, yo. oh <laughs> <laughs> tj let her do her thing man yo <laughs> don't judge me um no it was it was that i i agree with you it reminded me of very good talk show a little bit oh yeah uh, the wigs yeah. Anyway, uh, no, it was very fun. Um, I love seeing Chloe Feynman break. It was really good. I agree with you. It. I remember thinking when I was younger, what would someone my age, truly my age, be like on SNL? I think Andrew Dismukes is a good. He gets it. Like there are things that he's brought up that he that I understand. It's kind of very niche to like the the 27 to like 30 range um, of folks of like where, we, what we were watching on Disney channel and how much we were watching it just to, to TJ's point earlier. And the, the, I agree again with also, um, what's your name, John, sorry. Uh, 
No, John said that just is. <laughs> it's on the screen. It's on the screen. <laughs> you saw the email. You've been on the show so damn much this season. <laughs> All right. I think I think this calls for a little bit of a dance off. So Yo. Okay, you good, Victoria? All right. Um, yes, sorry. <laughs> um, no, but like I feel like someone like a JJ, who's also just been doing this a little bit longer, is a little bit more seasoned, will push Dismukes and others for that matter to to push their own um, you know, their range when it comes to characters' voices. To see Andrew Dismukes in like full costume with a wig and a goatee and all that versus just wearing a polo and, and slacks for a lot of things it was really awesome to see. I think he has it. He's, he's really cool. He's really chill. I think he has the ability to be ass out, dacked down and, and looched, you know, um, just as, yeah, as, <laughs> that was the line of the night for me. I'm so By sorry. By the way, in, instant regret. <laughs> I, I totally should have played this sound clip when you did that, Victoria. And I'm starting to think you're a real bitch. <laughs> totally. <should've. laughs> what the hell? Yeah. Yo. <laughs> can I, can I add a comment to that? Of course. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, not to what you said, Victoria. Um, no, I don't have any roasting for you this episode. Um, uh. like, no. <laughs> uh, just like a comment on like, the whole jingle element of it. Cause like that, that last jingle is catchy, but it's not like sticking, sticking this. I don't know if this is like an East coast thing or whatever. Like my metric for like a good jingle is like the Limu Emu thing. Or there's this, there was this, uh, I don't even know what, it, I think it was like a carpeting and flooring company called empire today. And they, it was their number. It was like a five, eight, eight, two, 300 empire, empire. today. Yeah. Today. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know. If, I don't know if it was national. I don't know how big that commercial was, but that's my metric for like catchy commercial jingle because I've never I've never seen that store a day in my life. But I know that jingle from like the 2000s and the 2010s, like hearing that. So like, you know, the boys did a good job. But like, you know, like, there's some solid jingles out there. You know, there's some solid competition. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're listening and you have any good solid jingles for us at the SNN, feel free to send those along so uh, we can add them to the roster of playing them here. Don't make what, me what about, sing. What about Nutterific, John? Okay, maybe that's that's a good one potentially. Um, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to do a jingle bracket one day. Yes, TJ, go ahead. So it this this is like tangential to this. This song, like these guys were doing songs and they were a little catchy. I was street. I was looking at Spotify the other day and I saw that recently SNL uploaded the Travis Kelsey Thruple song whatever thing, and yeah. it made me wonder. People have been talking about like they want big boys, you know, like they, they like there's been lots of SNL songs that in the past couple of years that been really good. But they've been really random about what they're, I don't know if this is the right term, John, like they've been, what they've been mastering and then choosing to um, put out. And it made me think like, oh, this is like a fun jingle. But I don't even remember that like Thruple sketch being like a full song the entire time. I just remember being bits and pieces. So it made me think, oh, is this something that would be... Yeah, so here's here's the difference, and the truth behind it is that uh, the difference between Big Boys and uh, and Watch from the Corner, which is uh, here, I'll play that for anybody who forgets what sketch that was from. That was this sketch. Watch from the corner. Um, That one is uh, sung by only SNL personnel. So it's much easier for them to control how those music oh. rights and stuff and any potential revenue is distributed. When you have SZA involved in singing mm-hmm. uh, on Big Boys, that creates a whole other level of agreements and stuff like that. So it's not to say that Big Boys won't ever end up on Spotify, but it's just a different uh, path to get there. 
So that would because be of the label and everything. Oh, exactly. John, oh my, thank you. Oh, I've been wondering that for like years. So okay, yeah. so that explains. Okay, so this yeah, it's song not like, itself, it's not like they don't like like Funky Johnson. Like it's just like you know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. Different. yeah, yeah. So this song itself is something because it was only SNL players that they could put out like that twelve second sure. jingle. They have complete control okay. over it because it's everybody involved was part of the machine, right? That is that is one of the most interesting things I've learned about on this program. Like, like, yeah. like facts. Yeah, that completely makes sense. But why, why aren't we giving Big Wet that paper? Like, come on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. All right. Well, um, look, final point on JJ. Yeah, final point on JJ, which is just to summarize this conversation, is I think in season 47, we were walking away feeling like JJ was a great solo performer on SNL. Now we're walking away from season 48, eventually, gonna, and we're going to say that JJ makes everyone around him a better performer, which is a whole other level of being a great SNL cast member. So looking forward to seeing what he's able to do in the future. All right, before we uh, start to wrap up our evening, I'd like to do one more round with all of you to see if there's anything else from the episode you would like to mention that uh, would be important. So, Victoria, I'll ask you first anything from the episode that you want to make sure we talk about uh just high level keep it short and sweet just want to give kudos where kudos are due to Molly I loved seeing their range and costume and characters this episode and you know they just joined but bright future ahead and there's just more to come I love I love the range I really want to see more of them I really also want to see more of Punky but yeah that's all shout out to shout out to Molly Hundred percent, huge night for Molly. Very proud of them. Go ahead, TJ. I'm not finished listening to the most recent by the numbers, and I haven't listened to a ton this year. But like, is this Punky's strongest year so far? Uh, that would be a Mike question. I'll actually be on by the numbers this Wednesday with Mike, so let me put a pin in that, and I will come back to you on that. If if listeners want to listen to that one, we'll be able to answer that question. So for sure. Um, but hopefully, because I am a fan of Punky, I'm a fan of Punky too. I have a yeah. I have a, a sketch I wanted to bring up. Okay, teacher. Um, yes. So uh, this is just for the sake of of you know just ego worship. Um, is that, that that exorcism sketch? Like, as somebody who is a big fan of what we do in the shadows, the TV show and the movie, and while I myself I could care less about monsters, goblins, ghosts, ghouls, vampires, all I don't care about any of that. But like, there's something about like lampooning that stuff that's like really fun for me, and what we do in the shadows is excellent at that. So having like this, this sketch gave me the energy of like, not the exact type of thing you would see in what we do in the shadows, but the same energy of like having fun with the supernatural and not taking it so seriously because it's kind of dumb. And so there was something so fun about having a woman who's trying to get herself some sleep, (laughs) trying to exercise a demon because she's just like tired of the noise that's going on like in the apartment building and ego of course knocked this performance the minute she said little girl your ass better not be levitating back there and then jenna ortega is lowered down like good like ego is we know ego's a star but just every week she just she gives at least one one and I love that Ego could do it with the look in one sentence. I've gone back and rewatched that parent teacher sketch so often. Like she is fantastic. And granted, I'm not I'm not saying anything new to this community. Like I said, all of you listening, you're nerds. We all know these things. We're nerds. But like, as somebody who is, I don't know, the son of a black mother um, and has black aunts, knows what it's like, uh, you know, to see like a black woman in a house coat, you know, with the, with the silk cap 
not ready for no foolishness, come and exercise a demon to see that, to see like my family coming. Oh, this was just so much fun. And I'm willing to bet this is a question for the younger crowd. This might be a, um, a this would have been a Nicole question, but like, would would this be the thing Gen Z clings to? Like they're clinging to the Pedro Pascal wink thing at the Oscars. Jenna Ortega like flailing herself around like she's like, is that the thing? I don't know. Like I, I don't know what the what the what the youths are into, but is that is that f- funny enough for them? Like, what's the TikTok clip? What's the what goes into the YouTube compilation? You know, like what is the thing that they extract here? I think this will go. This this is this has viral potential for sure. Can I just also say, Victoria TJ, I know you were on this uh, dating advice podcast that we did about a month ago. Yeah. Can I just uh, can I just say that uh, this line from this sketch I thought was uh, you know a little interesting. Uh, No, ma'am, I don't do all that. I told Salad once, and I was like, "Mm, this ain't for me. Where I mean that line? I, yeah, it, it was as if SNL was like, "Hey, we can't do anything sexual tonight, so let's just throw in the most graphic sexual joke that we can into one sketch." I, possibly. you know, what's crazy is that Gen Z like renamed, like toss. I forgot that eating s was called. Okay, well, wait, 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 this is not the dating advice podcast. So let's. Oh, let's oh, yeah. It, sorry. Let's keep it, keep I'm so it. sorry, to listeners. I've cursed so much in the episode. I'm just. Just like, all right. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, Don't let uh, your kids listen to this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Bill, did you like the exorcism sketch? <laughs> Just bleep me a lot, John. Just bleep me. <laughs> too late, TJ. Too late. Uh, no, it's not. Listen. No, 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 Audacity. I edit podcasts too. Like, <laughs> I mean, this is live. So, uh, T- Bill, please go ahead. <laughs> listen, Ego hasn't had enough to do the last few episodes, but what she's had has been fantastic. Uh, three episodes in a row. She had the prison guard in the Harrelson episode. She had the weekend at Bernie's thing last week. And then this, and she is just such a great actress, such a great comedian that she is able to make. I, this was not a great sketch. I mean, Jenna's basically channeling Lorraine Newman. Like it wasn't, but she made what she could out of this. Uh, I love her saying, use your words when Jenna's. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I, th- this was a showcase for Ego. I uh, loved, loved that part of it for sure. Didn't need the Keenan. spinning head at the end. I don't know why we can't figure out buttons on SNL. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll also say for Keenan, because I did enjoy Keenan's piece about like, uh, where they're just so ambivalent about being, you know, inhabited by a demon. And all it takes is her threatening to remove the sex knight. <laughs> like, like Eggo's care. Do you have that line, John? Yeah, I do. It's a. Uh... If you don't do it, I'm going to cancel our sex date next week. Oh, okay. Well, found my week spot. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kind of uh, cute yeah, up for you. Look, I had fun with those characters. I like the sketch. Eh, I would like. I, I would enjoy the seeing the Shaws again. I think the Shaws were a really yes, fun couple. Yeah. Uh, that that I wouldn't mind seeing them in other places. Talk about like potential recurring characters. I think having the Shaws come into other uh, potential sketches, I think, is a fun, creative way to have a recurring character in this era. So I, I think that could be cute. Um, Victoria, anything you want to say on Exorcism before we go on to anything Bill wants to talk about? Uh, all I want to say is um, Ego Supremacy. Awesome. Totally. Bill, anything else from the episode you want to make sure we touch on? Yeah, let's talk about the parent trap for a second. Uh, Loved having Fred back this week. I I know uh, you guys talked about it on Saturday a bit about how much he comes back. Uh, But I'm I'm welcome to this. I I was happy to see him. He was channeling his inner Roger Roger Brush 
when he was playing this character. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you like Schlitz beer? That was so good. <laughs> Wait, is that the you old guy? You watch Curb? <laughs> is that the Curb? Wait, is that the uh, the old character he used to do? It was like the bigger guy who would like yeah, host the, the ball in place. Yeah. Oh, the- yeah. oh, okay. I forgot the character's name, but I love that character though. Yeah, there was yes. also uh, there was also this one, Bill. Lisa Rinna. <laughs> Lisa Rinna. I would let her wreck me. Yeah, that, that is very Roger Brush. Yeah. Or or the whole picture. Yeah, whole I, picture. Here, I got I got that 11. one too. Here, I'll I'll play that for you. Okay. Uh, a whole picture. You're eleven. Don't look at those. <laughs> so good. Yeah. yeah. Have, this, see, there's a couple like grotesque things in this episode. You know, not grotesque. There's a couple of, like you know. Yeah, I, I love I love the interaction with somebody that we've never seen him work with. Seeing him with Bowen, uh, even though obviously the main point was him and Jenna working together. You know, having him and Bowen interact was a lot of fun for me. So that's part of the fun of the history of the show. For sure, this was really great. Honestly, I'm a, I'm a big Fred Armisen fan. Not everything, you know, he doesn't always. I would say uh, for his longevity on the show i would say his batting average is probably not as high as as some of the other people who lasted as long but i think this was a win and this was a good version of fred armison we got some really uh, fun lines like this one so they just split us up why would they do that to us we gotta kill them <laughs> that was great uh but i'll, I'll also say uh, yeah all credit to the writing on this so fred and colin wrote this one uh, so that's uh, like a, just a fun pairing to have them back and doing that one um victoria anything you like from parent shop uh, I love that he was like, I don't think bitch was in the script. Yeah, I did a little off the cuff thing like they do on Curb. You guys watch that? Like, no, this child does not watch Curb. It was just, it was just silly. It was a silly sketch. Uh, and I just thought it was really fun. That's For sure. all. Yeah. CJ, anything or are we good? Um, I was just a little, I would have almost rather seen that Roger Brush character because it was it was the exact same character. And I used to love the parent trap when I was a kid too. You know, I used to love Lizzie Lohan, but like, I'll be honest, like it kind of, it kind you know what it was? It gave me the same, like seeing Fred this time gave me the same feeling I got when we saw Maya a little too much that one particular season where like, it like it almost started to ruin um, Maya. So like, I don't know. I also, I think it's maybe because I agree with John that like Fred's, like I, I watched the, what is it, the first two or three seasons of Portlandia and I really liked them, but then at a certain point it just started to like, I started to not get it, I think. And so like there's some of Fred's projects that he picks that like most of the time I'm just not on the same rhythm. I couldn't enjoy his special, but I love his Parks and Rec bit about the, what is it, the Venezuelan um, guy about like go to jail. Like I love that guy. So Fred for me is really- He does look great in Brooklyn really, Nine-Nine too. Oh yes, it's Melitnos. Yes, he is. He's very good. So Fred is so like it's it is literally like roll the D twenty. Like I have no idea what this guy is like if I'm gonna enjoy this or just be weird. Like he made a stand up special for drummers. But you know, I, yeah. I don't know. So like yeah. It's kind of empty. He's me. he's awesome, extremely talented. Uh and oh, extremely talented. Happy to I would not yeah. 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 For sure, for sure. Not not disagreeing with you anyway, but I'm I'm saying I was happy to see him. Victoria, go ahead. When, um, when in the, in her monologue, she said, oh, I really like Californians. I know this is so reaching, like one in a million chances is going to happen. But I was like, wouldn't it be fun if Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig and Fred Armisen and everyone like came back to do a Californians bit and Jenna Ortega played Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig's like love child or something like that. Um, but love again, child. 
be a reach. That'd be such a reach. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to put a call out. I, I don't think we're ever seeing Californians again on the show. I think it's I know. like. I hope, I hope yeah. not. Like, I, yeah, really, I think too like, many things are going to have to happen to. To put it together, and I, and I think they did yeah. it at the 40th. I don't think they're going to do it at the 50th. I think they'll find like another yeah. thing to do with that era. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. Anyways, look, it, this, this was fun. It added to the fun of the night for me to have read there. So I think it was great. Uh, let's go through our polls from this week. So we had a couple of polls that we put up. One was not which was your favorite episode, but who was your favorite host from this one? So Woody Harrelson, Travis Kelsey. or Jenna Ortega. Very briefly, panel, just tell me who your pick would be. So Victoria. Um, oh man, probably Jenna Ortega. Okay. Uh, Bill, what do you think? Woody, of course. No, no, no. Jenna. Yo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, Jenna, Jenna, and then TJ, your pick (laughs) is Jenna also? You know, I'm gonna, no, don't us, don't us, John, do not assume, do not assume things about me, Jonathan. Um, no, for sure. It's, uh, it's, it's Mikey Day because we need to put some respect on his name. And no, no, no. Just who is, who's, who's your favorite host from these last three? Not your MVP. <laughs> oh, my favorite host? Yeah, favorite host from a, these last three. I don't have a favorite host from these last three episodes. Okay. All right. We'll get to MVP in a second. But let me just say, I, I do believe, despite the fact that Jenna was probably the right host for the right time, and I enjoy Jenna Ortega on the show in general, I think Travis Kelsey had higher highs as a host myself, so I would have picked Travis Kelsey here. And I was pretty surprised, to be completely honest with you, how close this was. So let me bring up that poll onto screen right now, which was, who was your favorite host of this run? And Jenna Ortega, 49%. Travis Kelsey, 42%. Woody Harrelson, 9%. So those were the results from this particular week. Then I want to meet that 9%. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Those were the certain uh, certain percentage of the population. Uh, Then we also have... (laughs) We have our MVP right now. So uh, MVP poll is up for week number 15. You can still vote in if you want. We always take a look at those all week long. But for now, we'll give you the results. And I'm going to go around the panel and ask them for who they think the top three MVP vote getters are for this week. Victoria, starting with you. I mentioned it earlier. I'm going to go with uh, Shrimp Jaj, but with a special shout out to to Molly. We okay. already talked through about why why we love Shrimp Jaji. So, who who would be your third if you had to pick a third? Mm, 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 mm. Uh, Heidi. Okay. She's been she's been she's been stepping up. She's been stepping up. So J A J Molly and Heidi Bill. Who are your top three for this week? Got to give it to Molly. They had the best week they've had uh, since they joined the show. Um, and then I'll go with uh, J A J and Mikey. J A J and Mikey, and then T J. You already said Mikey earlier as your number one pick. Do you have a two and three? Uh, yeah, then we'll go, uh, Jenna and Keenan. Jenna and Keenan. Okay. So this is interesting. So the, for the first time in 15 weeks on this poll, something interesting happened and I, I was hard pressed to believe it, but for the first time this season, the host was not oh, in the top yes! five. <laughs> My guy. <laughs> well, yes, yes, you did. You did pick correctly that Mikey Day won the MVP results, but Jenna, not in the top five this week for the MVP results, which That's I felt, I thought that was very interesting because for me, uh, kind of, kind of funny, you know, it, it really felt like this was a cast dominated episode. And I think that the listeners agreed Mikey Day in first place with 25%, James Austin Johnson, second place with 18%, Dismukes in third with 15%, Molly fourth with 13%, and fifth, Ego Wodem with 8 percent jenna was in sixth place for anybody wondering so interesting poll results so even john, even like people have... like woody got into the top five from that week it was really fun <laughs> john do you have the audio from um 
from the X Men sketch with uh, with Mike Day saying he's that they're not ready. Uh, yes, I have that exact thing. Because you cannot yet control them, child. <laughs> yes, that's, yeah, that. that's what that's what that's why Jen is not in the MVPs. Like that's 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 exactly it. Yeah, yeah, he was like uh, enough, child. <laughs> Uh, incredible work. It was Mikey unhinged. So, yeah, yeah. Great, Can great I just Mikey speak episode. Yeah. We do not put enough respect on Mikey's name. I don't know who said it on this podcast recently, but somebody said that, like, Mikey Day, or no, someone said that Heidi is good by herself and not paired with anyone. Have they been looking at the, like, the Mikey and, like, Heidi pairings that they've done for years? Like, anytime they play a couple or a husband and wife, that, like, they have incredible chemistry together. And, like, I think Mikey mm. just gets and Mikey writes incredible stuff. I just I don't think yeah. we put enough respect on his name. And I think this is a this is not the first time you should be noticing Mikey Day. That's all I'm gonna say. For sure. All right, let's turn our attention to what's coming up on April 1st. I know we're all super excited about it with host Quinta Brunson and musical guest Lil Yachty and uh, Quinta. You're damn Conway, right. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, obviously coming in from Abbott Elementary. Um, this is a you know a big pick by our community as somebody that should have been hosting for a long, long time. So we have so much to say about it, so much to talk about it that we're going to do in just a couple of weeks. But Victoria, let me start with you. What are your expectations for that episode? I'm speechless. I, I, it is a podcast. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, the audio cut out there a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, she is, like I said, I mentioned earlier, she is someone I highly look up to. I would love to follow in her footsteps, but of course, in my own way. She's also a Second City gal. She's just so funny. We've known she's so funny. Like, she's, you know, from the, what was that? What was the sketch call? And she's like, oh, you rich. You got money. What was that? The ghost. Oh, it's, the I movies. think it's like he got money. Like, which it's like an old BuzzFeed sketch. I think from like yeah. the mid twenty tens. Yeah. Oh, he got money. Oh, oh, he got money. Like, yeah. Yeah, like and and she fully embodied that. Like, I love her. Like, turning around and and she was she's awesome. Um, I've I've adored her for a long time. She's I think now at a point where she's getting flowers she deserves and being recognized for her talent. And that being said. I think she's so talented. She's going to be such a great addition to the show. I think, well, I don't know. I wish she was a cast made at some point, just to be honest. But Well, if you want to get some background on her as a potential sketch performer, go check out A Black Lady Sketch Show, where she yes. was yeah, she was a performer during the – she was a main, I guess, cast member of that show during yes, the first was. season. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's a great example of getting to see her work in sketch comedy. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just really excited. I don't know too much about Lil Yachty. I, I'm sure he'll do great. Um, but this is this is a Quinta. I'm I'm so excited. I'm so excited for Quinta to host. I have like yeah. great expectations for her, and I'm, I'm sure she'll go above and beyond. Yeah, Bill, could this potentially be a quintessential SNL episode? Oh my god. Uh-oh. It's starting already. Somebody boo this man. (laughs) Boo this man. (laughs) Quinta is so fantastic to to think about having a network sitcom star hosting SNL in 2023 is such a fantastic thing. Uh, Five years from now, we're going to be talking about the fact that she saved the network sitcom genre. Um, so yes, absolutely. Very excited. Very funny. Abbott elementary. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. There's only about 22 episodes at this point, burn through it in a day or two. Fantastic. Yeah. And so interesting that they would pick, uh, nothing against Quinta, but I'm saying they would pick one from ABC instead of from NBC, which is an interesting choice here. Like didn't 
you know, pick Bobby when he was on Mr. Mayor or, you know, Dwayne for Young Rock, who was supposed in the past or like even in this uh, most recently Anna Gasteyer being talked about for American Auto. So it's just a, it's an interesting uh, choice here and one that I'm fully supportive of, but uh, something to think about. So, TJ, uh, let me give you the floor. Are you excited? Uh, John, am, am I excited? John, am I excited? John, this is my arc. I have been singing this woman's praises saying, SNL, do it. Put her on the damn show. And you know what? They listen. Now, granted, do I like it that they're having this queen of a black woman host? They're in the middle of the strike thing. No, I do not. SNL needs to get it together and pay these writers. But look, John has already said it. Victoria's already said it. Like uh, Bill's already said it. Abbott is incredible. Like, and it's also so inspiring. Abbott has made me like emotional a couple of times because there's like that great, it, like the jokes are just firing and it punches and it hits. But every now and then it gets you a little bit in the heart. Also, if you watch that Valentine's Day episode and you've been following this show, all I'm saying, like, like, just, and the cast is so strong. But like Quinta herself, like, I definitely felt like, like in love with this woman's performing. In a black lady sketch show a few years ago, John. Like, I'd love that you made that recommendation because if you want to see Quinta, that is in addition to her and Abbott, that's a phenomenal place to see it. Like, there's they have amazing sketches, and they sometimes were the only uh, sketch show going up against SNL at the Emmys. There's the basic ball. There's a sketch where this guy has trouble saying "I do" and Quinta's like it's just a lot of great stuff. It's uh, and you can probably check out the stuff on YouTube or on HBO Max. Um, that's where you can find the show. But Quinta is killing it. Like she's been like she's already won her Emmys and they're still giving her flowers. Like if it wasn't for the fact that it's a TV show, like the level of press and everything and rise that she's had is equivalent to like the best PR campaign that like an Oscar that sorry, the best PR campaign that like a PR manager could come up for someone that's trying to get an Oscar. Like they are like killing it and giving it to Quinta. People are tripping over to give her praise because her show is that damn funny, that damn strong, coming at the shows like Parks and Rec, The Office, Superstore, phenomenal workplace comedies, and she's just adding to that incredible list. Like, And picking her over Anna Gasteyer or another Black woman that I love, Nicole Byer, who's on an NBC sitcom. Granted, Grant Crew's not that strong. Nicole Byer is much better than that show. But like, just... It's it's wonderful to see they didn't have to do it. And the fact that they're supporting ABC shows how strong that show. I mean, I just, I'm going to be on the hot take show. Just like, oh my God, what if I hate I'm the episode, you're John? John, what if I hate the episode? What if it's not good, John? <laughs> well, we're, ah. we're gonna, guess what, TJ? We're going to be there to talk about it. But before we get there, we have so much more coverage happening here on the Saturday Night Network, including two more shows this week to talk about Jenna Ortega and the 1975. I'll be on with Mike Murray on Wednesday night to break down all the numbers from this run of SNL. And then Casey Killingsworth, who is in our chat tonight, will be live with me on Thursday night for our patron feedback show, where we will wrap up our thoughts on Jenna Ortega and then look forward to the Quinta Brunson episode. And next Monday, in this spot, we will be back with a very fun SNL stories with the great Daryl Hammond, host of or announcer now of Saturday Night Live and a longtime cast member for 14 years at the show. So we get to talk to Daryl Hammond next Monday night. I hope you'll join us for that conversation and hopefully for some more fun shows along the way, including a super fan takeover the following week. So thanks for joining us tonight, everybody. Victoria, where can the listeners check out everything you got going on? 
Uh, you can find me on Instagram right here. Uh, if you're in the Detroit area, you can catch me performing on some weekends at Go Comedy. Uh, you can go to my Instagram to find out when that is. And then after May, you can find me in Chicago at the Second City doing some fun stuff. So more to come. Amazing. Amazing job, Victoria, tonight, and so proud of everything you are doing. Bill Kenny, thanks for joining us as well tonight. Where can listeners check out everything you got going on? So glad to be here. What a fun, uh, chaotic episode this has been. Uh, you can follow me at BKLove73. Absolutely. TJ, thank you for joining us tonight. Always a pleasure. Where can the listeners check out everything you got going on? Well, Jonathan, also thank you for having me. I always enjoy doing the show, even though I derail it and most likely make you consider, should I put an explicit tag and ruin my podcast because of Apple Oh, it's podcast. happening. I know. Nonetheless, um, <laughs> I have a 15-ish minute podcast called Rabbit Trail that is available everywhere. John, Nicole, Sean Grant, Rebecca, um, the wonderful, fantastic Darren Patterson has also joined. I've had lots of the SNL Network onto the show. Um, I'm very glad to to do it. Um, you know, last week we did an episode on uh, on ending friendships. I, I think it's a really it's a topic we don't talk about as much because you know any relationships is so common, but any friendships is it's a little tough too. You know, I think it can get a little emotional. And just uh, just today, actually, we dropped an episode talking about the perfect sick day. Um, and coming up, we are doing a surprise topic. Uh, so I feel like this um, month, and then uh, I want to say in general, we've had a really strong run of episodes of um felt like kind of just really getting into our ourselves as hosts and um i'm really happy about that now you can find the show anywhere you listen to podcasts and um you can follow it at we are rabbit trail that's r-a-b-i-d on facebook instagram and twitter and you can find me tj at king compliment on instagram and tiktok incredible bill before we leave tonight nick in the chat wants to know if you're going to be sharing your march madness picks on twitter so will you do that for him i i just may do that for you nick okay Amazing. All right. Well, for everybody who listened to our show tonight, I hope you will also check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at the SNL Network to find out everything we got going on over there. We're hopefully going to put up some more fun clips from this show and other stuff over the break. And then you can subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify if you have not yet. All right. My name is John Schneider from the SNN. And you know what? Why don't we dance our way out tonight? So one last time. Let's go. 16 trillion, 725 million, 550,000. 136. We'll see you next time, everybody. Have a good one.